Morning, everyone. Lovely to see those of you I can actually see. Well, we're going to be looking at that passage together. If you can, could you make sure you have that passage open in front of you? Because there's quite a lot of surprise in there. Um, And if you could just have that open, you'll be able to see a lot more. Now, as we open this, I just wonder if, to be honest, a load of you, you're feeling spiritually hollow, a bit empty, to be honest, just feeling a bit dry. And for you, it's like Christianity has sort of become a bit more of a weight than a relief. And God, well, it feels sort of like there's the stuff you've got to do for God, but it doesn't seem like he's doing an awful lot for you. And so, eh. So you're not particularly excited, thrilled at God. A bit bored, listless, lacking a joy that maybe you once had, and you think, it's just gone somehow. I don't know why. Just feel a bit empty. And you know, it's so easy to get to that place. Really easy. In fact, the, the people Jesus is surrounded with, the Jews, They would think they would never get there because they diligently searched the scriptures. They diligently searched the scriptures, what faithful Bible people they seemed. But they were spiritually dry as dust. So, look, if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling a bit dry, a bit empty, a bit hollow, a bit listless, This passage is for you. This is just for you. Uh, If you're not, if you're feeling great, if you're doing spiritually fine, to be honest, friends at home, I would switch off right now because this is going to be useless for you. Um, This is actually going to be a waste of your time. Do you know what? In in fact, even more, if you're doing really well, if you're doing so spiritually well that you're starting to get frustrated with the slackers who are just going a bit slow who aren't doing so well, I'd really switch off because this is going to be downright offensive to you. I mean it, switch off. Unless you're feeling a bit spiritually rubbish. So what do we got here? Okay, well, what we've got in this passage is, in a sense, it breaks down quite simply. The Jews ask Jesus three questions, and he gives three answers. Well, that's quite simple. But then it gets weird. See, if you have a look at it, the first two answers that Jesus gives, you look at them and go, what is he getting at? You know, so they say, aren't we right that you're you're a Samaritan, demon-possessed? And he says all this stuff, no, I'm not demon-possessed, I honor my father. I'm not seeking glory for myself. We think, Jesus, that wasn't exactly the question. I'm not seeking glory for myself. And then they do this next one. Uh, are, are you greater than our father Abraham? 
verse 54, no, if I glory myself, glorify myself, my glory means nothing. Jesus, that wasn't the point. And so this is really weird stuff where each time Jesus is asked a question, he keeps coming back to glory. And we're going, I don't quite get what you're on about that. That's weird. What we want is the third question and answer because that's cool. The first two, I don't quite know what's going on. But the third one, they say, verse 57, hey, you've seen Abraham? And he replies, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. And we go, oh, I know that one. That means he's saying, I am who I am. I'm the Lord God of Israel. We know he's saying, I'm God. Cool. Aren't I clever and clued up? And so, I, I, you know, I, I feel proud of myself. And yet I go, do you know, actually, I knew that already. So actually, I learned nothing from that. <laughs> Great passage that was. First two were confusing. Third one, I learned nothing. Here's the thing. He's actually saying way more than that. And to get exactly what he's saying, I'm afraid you need to wrestle with the first two questions. So what is all this glory stuff? And hang in there with it, because this, this is what will bring you joy. Okay, so verse 48 starts with this ridiculous slur. The Jews said, aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan? A Samaritan and demon-possessed. All right, you just throw mud at him. I'm not possessed by demons, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself. <clears throat> now, we look at that and go, eh? I'm not seeking glory for myself. Jesus, we thought the whole point here was you're about to tell us that you are I am. You're the Lord, right? That, that's, that's where you're going here. And surely you're telling them that so that they will worship you, right? But he says, I'm not seeking glory for myself. No, no. Jesus is not interested in getting something from them. That's not what he's after. And friends, this is what just takes out of the legs the whole reason why we tend to think Christianity is a drag. Because we go through life assuming God wants stuff from us. And you can change what that is. You can think, you know, God wants us to read our Bibles a lot and pray a lot and be good a lot and go to church a lot and all that stuff. And we think... Do you know what? I've just got enough else going on in my life, thanks. And so, God is a burden. He just wants a lot of stuff from me. And you can know, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to think like that, and yet you slip into it. And then, of course, other things are more fun. And you think, yeah, I've got to do the whole Christian thing, but to be honest, I can't wait for my day off. Because that's a whole load more fun than God, who's not fun, right? And that is what Jesus is taking the legs out from. He's saying, you've just got the wrong idea of God in your head. 
He's saying, I'm not seeking glory from myself. I'm not seeking to get anything from you. In fact, says Jesus, effectively, I don't need anything you have. Thank you very much. Friends, do you see it? This is so important. If you find yourself joyless, you're probably thinking it's because you've got to do stuff for him. And that's basically the dynamic of the relationship. No, Jesus is not seeking to get anything from you. So what is he about? Well, let's go on, verse 54. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. And again, we're going... What? So his father wants to glorify him, even though he's not seeking glory himself. So what does that mean? So is this that, okay, the father wants lots of claps for the son. He's going, look at the son, everyone go, woohoo! Is, is that really what he's about? No. No. Could you turn with me to a vitally important passage, John 12. Just a couple of pages over. John 12. John 12. Let's go from verse 23. John 12, 23. Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Oh, okay, so this is all about the glory stuff. Now we're going to see what his glory looks like. What does it look like, Jesus? Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. What he's saying is, the hour for the Son of Man to be glorified, where you will see his glory is the cross. In fact... We see a lot of stuff from our passage picked up here. Verse 28, can you see? Father, glorify your name. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the last verse, I'm going to show you, verse 33. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Now, to get this, glory... We tend to think glory is just about fame and celebrity. No, no. Glory is about your innermost weight, substance, being, who you are. And Jesus is saying, if you want to know most essentially who I am, look at the cross. Friends, if you want to know what Jesus is like, Don't imagine him perched high on a throne, bossing people around. Look to the cross. If you want to know the heart of God, what he's most like, look to the cross. And there on the cross, you see, he's not trying to take anything. He's so overflowing with life that he dies to give life to people who are trying to kill him. 
So loving is he to those who don't care at all about him, who hate him. He's dying to give them life. So we see God is not an applause junkie or some needy Lord who sits back wanting our claps, who's desperate for us to live good lives. It's not what he wants. He doesn't need anything from us. No, brimful of love, he is all about giving himself freely to those who don't care about him, to those who are failures, to those who hate him. He's about dying for you when you're a mess. He's about not waiting for you to sort yourself out. He's about bringing light to you when you're all darkness. And we keep thinking, I've got to sort myself out before I can go to him. And he's going, I've got all the light you need. Just come. And this is what Jesus is getting at in the great third answer. He's really unpacking the truth of who he is more. So you've not understood who I am. You think I'm all about getting glory for myself. In fact, I'm all about giving. And we get to the heart of it with his last answer. They said to him, verse 57, you're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, Hear what he's not saying. Jesus is not saying, I existed before Abraham. Before Abraham was, I was. He's saying more than that. And he's not just saying, I'm God. If that were it, we're really not going to learn much here. No, he's saying, I am who I am. I am the one who, when Israel was going through the fiery trial of slavery in Egypt, when Israel looked like a dry bush in parched ground that would never bloom, then I was the one in the midst of the bush. I was the one who came to be with them, who said, I am who I am. I was the one who came to be in the midst of his people in their fiery trial to lead them out. I was the one who came to free them from their slavery. In other words, I'm not just any God. I am Abraham's God, the one who gave him a son when he couldn't have one. I am Moses' God, who had compassion on slaves and freed them. I'm not just God, I'm this kind, compassionate one who blesses and has consistently proved himself in blessing through the centuries. I am, as I said to Moses on Mount Sinai, I am the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, a Abounding in love and faithfulness and forgiving sins, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving even rebellion and sin. 
In fact, Jesus is saying, you can call me God and not get me at all. Because you have no idea who I am unless you see me being compassionate to the weak, forgiving sinners, raising the dead, healing the sick, welcoming the outcast. If you don't see me doing that, you've got no idea who I am. You may call me God, but if you think I'm aloof and uncaring, you don't get me at all. If you think I want to take stuff from you, you don't get me at all. And that is why the cross is the hour of my glory. It's why, and this might be the most important verse in the whole chapter. Have a look at chapter 8, verse 28. It's why he said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man that is on the cross, then you will know that I am. In other words, you don't get what I am means. You don't get what it is that he is the Lord until you see the cross. You don't know him until you see the cross. The cross is the revelation of his heart. You may call him God, but you've not got him at all until you've seen the cross. So you can talk about Jesus till you're blue in the face. But if you don't think of him as lifted up on the cross, you will not get what he's like. And that means if you don't think about him on the cross, you won't grasp his mercy. You won't grasp his compassion to the failures. And you know what will happen? You won't love him. If you don't see the cross, if Jesus is just a big heavenly boss who's making you do lots of stuff, who cares? Maybe we ought to worship him, but we can't be bothered. Of course you'll be bored if you think that's what he's like. If you want to know the real Jesus... And if you want to melt a cold heart, go to the cross. It's on the cross we see what a great saviour he is. How lovely, compassionate, kind to failures he is. But... As well as confronting us with this surprising, unboring Jesus, our passage also confronts us with ourselves. So have a look at these people that Jesus is with. And these two things we learn, we'll see, they're going to fit together very neatly. Learning who Jesus is and learning who we are will go together. Look at Look at the people all around Jesus. You see, this is not a reasonable discussion they're having. Think, he's coming to die for sinners. In pure love, he could stay in heaven if he wanted to. In pure love, he comes to die for them. And they hate him. Why? Why would they hate him so much? 
They call him a Samaritan and demon-possessed. Why? Why do you actually hate someone who's just trying to do you so much good? There is an answer. Can I ask you to turn to one more? Chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 41. I do not accept praise or glory from men, says Jesus. Well, that sounds very familiar. We've just been looking at exactly that. But I know you, he says. And here's the lightning bolt. Are you ready for it? Verse 44 there. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another? Whoa. You can't believe in Jesus if you accept praise from one another. You can't do both. Wow. You can't do it. Do you see, they could not believe in him because what they're wanting is praise and glory from others. What's their dream in life? Get others to praise me. And in fact... And we'll see why that means they couldn't believe in Jesus in just a moment. But what they're after is praise and glory from others. Get other people to like me, other people to love me. That stops you believing in Jesus. That's surprising. But but look, the first words out of their mouths in our passage proves it. What are the first words out of their mouths? John 8, 48. Aren't we right Aren't we right? They wanted to be right. They wanted to be seen as right. They wanted to be applauded by others as right and good and wonderful. Like their father, the devil, they wanted praise from others. So why can't they believe? Because when you want praise from others, you hate it. When Jesus says, you need me for life. They hate it so much they pick up stones to stone him. Because when you want praise from others, you're trying to make yourself look good. And you think, need? I don't have any need. I don't need anything, thank you. And underneath all spiritual coldness, you'll always find that. Aren't we right? Aren't we right? We don't really need much. Because we're okay, we're sorted. We're doing well. Now, of course, Christians don't tend to say that outright. Because we know we shouldn't. But we do do it much more subtly. So we imagine, well, Jesus can't be about saving us as such because, I mean, I I don't really need saving because I'm pretty good, thank you. So Jesus isn't really about saving. He's more about laying down rules for life, which, you know, for improving ourselves even. And we do quite well at keeping them. 
And yeah, we'll acknowledge our sins. We know we have to, but it's pretty shallow. You know, it's as if our only problem is, you know, we've been a little bit forgetful of God this week. Oops. We've not been quite as good as we think we are. Oh, dear. We're not that bad. Meaning we don't think we need Jesus that much. Because we're not very needy. We're okay. In fact, we're being good to stick on his team. Lucky him that he's got us. Aren't we right? Friends, when we slip into this, we're being like the Pharisee in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Do you remember standing in the temple praying, boasting of his own uprightness, worshipping not God, but worshipping himself for his uprightness? When we seek our own glory, not trusting God, not thinking we need his help, imagining we're good, we are blind to the vileness of the idolatry in our hearts. And when you think you're right, when you think you're needy, when you think God's just trying to take from you, Christianity will be completely joyless. If you don't think you have much need, and if Jesus isn't about giving to you but taking from you, of course Christianity will be a drag. Of course it will. But the answer is so simple. So I come back to anyone who's feeling spiritually dry, cold, hollow. The answer is verse 51. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Not if anyone's good. Not if anyone's wise, eager, zealous, keen. If anyone just keeps my word. Because he's coming to give as free as that. As free as my words come to you now. That's how freely life is given. It was the same in chapter 6. They asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? What, we, what must we do? And Jesus said, the work of God is this. Believe in the one he's sent. Believe. Receive. Friends, if you're sensing any spiritual emptiness or dryness... The reality is you're onto something. Great. You're feeling the truth that you are empty yourself and you need him. Now, if that's you, don't smother it over with must do better, lots of Christian activity. That is the path to Pharisaism. Instead of being like the Pharisee and trying to cover over your neediness, be like the tax collector who cried out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
And then, like him, you'll go home justified. That's it. That's it. Do you see, to cry out like that, to receive my word, to just believe, means you're saying two things. You're saying, I'm a mess. I'm not sorted. And that's a hard thing to say. I pretended to be sorted, but actually I'm a mess. I need Jesus. And he's got free life for me. So God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And if you do that, do you know what will happen? You'll be like Abraham. You see, the Jews here, they hated Jesus. Oh, they read the scriptures. They looked great. Everyone admired them. They read the scriptures, but they had no joy. Does that ever sound familiar? Wrong path. But, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Because only those who know they are needy sinners, who need Jesus, only they rejoice. And times make it hard for them. They may even weep. But even in those times, they can rejoice. If you know your need and you know what compassion is in Jesus, you'll rejoice again. And friends, that comes at the cross. At the cross, you get to see what a mess you are. Otherwise, Jesus didn't need to die for you. He could just give you a helping hand. You're such a mess. And only at the cross do you see that. And at the cross, you see just how much he loves you before you've done a sausage to impress him. When you look to the cross, now you see glory. When you've lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you'll know that I am. Then you know what God's like. So, dry friends, empty friends, weak friends, messed up friends, go to the cross. Don't try to sort yourself out. If you're feeling oh, just spiritually dry as a bone, nothing left in me, don't try to sort yourself out and come something, come with something to Jesus. No, come just as you are, come right now, come with all your mess. Don't hold out your impressiveness, hold out your mess, because what you bring is emptiness, what he brings is, well, his very glory is to give. He loves doing it. He's far more eager to bless than you are to come. So come now. Come to Jesus. See, see that glory of his. See his loving heart stretched out to you right now. And say to him, that is me. I'm a mess. I'm a sinner, Lord, I need you. 
I need you, I need your life. Come, you sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. Let's pray. Lord, we pretend too much, but we are a mess, and we need you. We come to you with our emptiness, and we say, Lord, give us life. And we pray, would you keep our eyes this week fixed on the cross, that we might see just how messy we are, what great sinners we are, and we might see, ah, but what a great saviour we have. And so may we this week rejoice like Abraham and be glad and find, instead of dryness, joy. In Jesus' sweet and strong name we pray it. Amen.